Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, I have another amazing guest. I was very, very fortunate to be on the same panel as her. And when I heard more about what she did, I was absolutely flabbergasted. I was so amazed at the stuff that she does and how she actually does it. And I couldn't wait to have her on my show. Uh, she's worked with some amazing companies uh, from Fortune 500 companies, Nestle, Uber, and and uh, Philip Morris. Uh, she's a worldwide speaker. She's a coach. She's a leadership expert. She's also somebody who works very, very well with regards to emotional intelligence with her clients. And she has a really, really interesting co-coach as well. And I'll let her jump into that later. So please welcome a, a leadership coach and empowerment specialist, uh, Ms. Nadia. <laughs> hey, Fang. So nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today on, um, yeah, how, how we got here and how to follow our passion business. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I know you're all the way from Belgium, so I get a lot of international people coming in too. So uh, thank you very much for being here. <laughs> now, for, for those people who don't really know exactly what you do, uh, can you share with us your current passion? And then how did you arrive to that passion? Yeah. So basically, I so what I do is I do a lot of uh, training on emotional intelligence and um, leadership. So I train people on being confident, on being extremely authentic leaders and being present, being in the moment and being in an energetic state where like, I always love to say, I want people to like walk into the room and I want everybody to turn around and to say, who is that? And the way I did that, you already mentioned before, I have quite some unusual co-coaches <laughs> and my unusual co-coaches are um, horses. And what horses do is they have a really interesting gift. So horses are, um, they live in multi-dimensional levels. So if those of you that are, are familiar with that, so they live in between five and 12D dimensions. And uh, whereas most humans live in 3D, so just to, to make a comparison, and they can read energy fields. So they can read the field of um, an emotion between anything, fear, anger, confident, not confident, um, up to love, security, confidence, happiness, like they can read all of these emotions um, in an instant. And this is what makes them so powerful co-coaches because you can't bullshit them. <laughs> you can't, you know, uh, because in any other coaching scenario, you always have the opportunity to lie. And if you're a really good liar, and not even if you do it on purpose, but oftentimes our subconscious loves playing tricks on us and loves portraying things in a different way. So that's where we often lie to ourselves even. And this is something that you cannot do to a horse. So a horse will read your, your conscious and your subconscious and give you direct, immediate, but judgment-free feedback. And that's why I call it real-time leadership coaching because it's in real time. And yeah, you get it immediately. And as you work on yourself, you manage to improve and the horse gives you feedback again. And so you see like, ah, if I do this, what's the reaction? If I do that, what's the reaction? Wow, that, that brings me brings a lot of questions to my head right now. So you said five, five to 12D. Mm -hmm. So I, I understand 2D, 
1D, 3D. So what's what's after 3D? Like what's exactly 4D then? And then 5D. And then like, what are those levels? So like we would say, for example, there are enlightened beings. Like, for example, if you look at... Um, uh, Yeshua, Maria Magdalene, like the big enlightened beings that came into onto this planet in order to give a message, um, they were operating in 12D. Mm -hmm. So this is something where these are people that have psychic abilities. These are people that can see things. They, they know things. And so we usually operate in 3D. Humans can also evolve into different, um, different dimensions. And there are certain signs that show you that you're operating in multiple dimensions. Like for example, if you are clairvoyant or if you have any kind of like abilities, let's say, then you would see differently, you would hear differently, you would feel things differently. Like for some of us, for example, it's goosebumps. Like if you're, you get a sign like, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Like somebody tells me something, I get goosebumps or I hear something, I get goosebumps. Then that is a sign that you're operating on a different frequency and on a different energy level and in a different dimension i see so then when it comes to horses and you're saying they can tell if you if you lie how, what 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 do they do they just kind of ignore you or what happens it depends so it depends um different horses have different reactions to different emotions in different situations so um for example um i have one horse uh and it's this is one of my favorite stories <laughs> so i had a client come to coach with me and she's her issue that we were going to work on with the horses was that she didn't have any clients and she said, I don't know what it is. I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing all the stuff, you know, like I'm posting, I'm doing this, I'm making offers, I'm networking, like I'm doing everything and it doesn't work. I'm not like, I'm not closing any clients. And I said, okay, that's weird. So, okay, let's go to the horses. Let's see. And it was because her energy was off. So she was, she was so needy. So I call this needy energy. She was so needy to have clients that every client was like, Ooh, like, you know, <laughs> Um, and the horses showed exactly the same thing. So my horse wouldn't, the one that we worked with for that session, she wouldn't come to her for two hours. For two hours, this poor lady sat on the field, trying everything in her power in order to, you know, like she tried giving her food. She tried like sneaking there. She tried everything. And the horse just was like, whenever she came close, she would always let her like close to her about a meter, two meters. And then she'd be like, okay, bye, I'm off. <laughs> and so, yeah, it took us two hours until she caught her. And it was really interesting because the moment she stopped focusing on the horse and she stopped focusing on, I need clients. And she focused on herself and on feeling good and what would make her feel good. Like she started dancing, she started doing all kinds of things. So the moment she shifted her energy, all of a sudden she closed her eyes and all of a sudden the horse was right in front of her and was like, okay, now, now I'm ready because the energy shift was there. So when it comes to coaching, not many people goes, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get a stable. I'm going to have horses and all that kind of stuff and open my coaching business for you. Well, that's part of your, your, your team. So how did that come about? Like, that's not the first thing you go, oh, you know what? I'm going to get a Like, what was your relationship to horses prior to this? Yeah. So I always had, interestingly enough, I always had a very special relationship to animals. So I always had 
um, like a relationship to animals, even though I never had any animals. So my parents didn't have, a, we didn't have a farm. We lived, you know, in a big city. We lived in Vienna and Austria. So um, we had a house and a garden, but we were never allowed to have any animals as kids. But I was always very much on animals, like wherever there were animals, I was on them. And, um, and so in my early teenage years, I was really getting into horses and, um, uh, and for me, it was always different because for me, it was always more about the relationship, not so much the sport or the riding part. And yeah. And so then I had horses as a passion and as a hobby, and I did that. And then next to that, I always had my, like my career path, which was very traditional. I did an education in business. So I have a master in business and um and management and then i did i went to the corporate career like you said you know i was at nestle i worked at philip morris worked at uber um in marketing and um and people kept telling me you know you should do something with horses uh, but i had these limiting beliefs from childhood on my parents like when my dad bought me my first horse it was a huge discussion in the family because my family was like, oh my God, now she's going to be a writing teacher. Like the worst has happened. She's, you know, she's going to end up broke somewhere and she's never going to make any money with this and blah, blah, blah. So um, it was a big deal. So I had all these limiting beliefs around you can't make any money with horses. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then people kept asking me even in business like in, in the corporate world like why are you so confident like why are you you know when you present like you just walk on stage doesn't matter how many hundred people are there you just like you just go for it and you don't have the feeling you're like missing even an inch of confidence there and my answer was always well I learned it from the horses and yeah. And so then I did an education to be a horse assisted coach. So there is an equine assisted coaching um, education. And I did that just for fun. I was like, sounds interesting. I'm curious. Let's see. Let's, let's do it. Let's see what happens. And, but I never really saw myself doing that. And then slowly, but surely uh, more and more people kept asking me and, and in the business coaching that I did with a lot of people, I realized, okay, we're at a point where you know, there's no logical reason why they're not successful. There's something there that is not rationally explainable where we need to look at the subconscious. We need to look at the energetics behind it. Why are they not attracting clients? Why are they not, where are they not confident when they're selling? Where are they not confident on stage? What's happening in the different kind of processes? Where are they failing to lead their teams, right? I work with managers as well. Um, in order to teach them how to lead teams and how to become powerful leaders. And the more I did that, like it just started basically by word of mouth that people started talking and talking and talking and more people started coming. And I was a bit, I still held on to those limiting beliefs. I was like, no, no, I'm going to do continue my marketing company and I'm going to continue doing that and da, 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 da. And at some point I just had to make a decision and be like, okay, I'm going to jump now. I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing the marketing. I'm going to stop doing the branding and I'm just going to um, go full on in into the horse coaching. So are the horses, the, the heavy hitters at the end where there's no other solution or do they come out right away? It depends. Um, sometimes they come out right away, like um, especially when I work with young managers um, or managers in general, when they want to improve their leadership skills, 
then it's amazing just to put them on a test and say, okay, let's test your leadership skills and see where you're at. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I just love to, to take, take them to the horses there and see, you know, what's working, what's not working. Are they, what kind of manager are they? What kind of manager do they want to be? So it really depends, but typically the first time people come, it's when there's really like, they tried everything and nothing works. <laughs> and then they heard from somebody like, oh, you should maybe go to Nadia with her horses. Maybe she can figure out what's wrong, you know? <laughs> and then they start and then they get a bit addicted and then they're like, oh, can I come to your retreat? And can I come and do this? And can I learn, I don't know, different things. So, so most of your clients who come in already have a, an idea of your, 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 your methods. And they're not um, caught off guard by saying, you want me to do what? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, sometimes I have people that are really like, you do what? <laughs> and especially clients that I was working previously in the marketing environment or I did business coaching. And then I said, OK, honestly, for this particular issue, I would really recommend you come out to the horses. Um, and then they're like, yeah, but but how? <laughs> and then I really go back to saying, you just need to trust that this is the right process and you need to trust my intuition and your intuition. If it feels really wrong to you, then don't do it. But other than that, I would really recommend we give it a shot and we see what happens. And I've never had anybody who wasn't like a thousand percent uh, like ecstatic after the training with horses, like people don't come and are like, ah, oh, that was kind of nice. You know, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe what just happened. <laughs> like, how do they know this? And how can they read that? And like, I just had this thought and the horse did this and they're like, oh my God, you know? So it's, it's not like they come there and they're like, yeah, okay. That was kind of, you know, normal or nice. <laughs> Is this something that people have to come back on a consistent basis to do a re-up kind of thing or uh, one and done? No, it's usually one and done. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the thing is people come and the issue they have, it's done after one session, but uh, people want to improve and it has a bit of an addictive um, thing where they're like, oh, but I want to be better and I want to be more confident or I want to have more energy or I want to learn how to manifest even more or whatever it is. So it becomes like this um, little bit addictive thing. The only thing is with the leadership training, it's something where I do work with people for multiple sessions, like for five at least um, and sometimes I like to work with their teams as well. So do a combination of where I work with the manager and then the team. Mm -hmm. So for leadership, it is a couple of sessions um, because it's not an issue we're looking at. It's more of a transformative nature where we transform really how we act every single day. So for that, it takes a bit longer, but for everything else, it's a one, one shot. Mm -hmm. Now for yourself, you kind of mentioned that you've always had this uh, connection with animals and you've always shown that you're confident going and speaking and all that kind of stuff was that always something that you kind of naturally got into or was there a few times where you go mm, I don't know I don't feel that confident or is there something that you've done so that you can actually grow and um, add to those skill sets yeah, no, I mean, I always jump into the cold water. And um, so I did, I mean, 
I did a lot of presentations already in corporates and I presented, you know, of course, if you present in front of the CEO of a company because your project that you launched in a teeny tiny country is now going to be globally rolled out and you need to present into the CEO of a multi-billion dollars listed company uh, as, a, as, a, as like this marketing chicken nugget, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it is a different, like you do get vibes, of course. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that you're not, not that I was not ever scared or didn't have fear, but I just dealt with it differently and people didn't notice it as much, I think. <laughs> but yeah, I, I took a lot of opportunities to jump into cold water and just to overcome fear and be like, oh, I'll figure it out somehow. And then 10 minutes before I'm like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> no, you've worked with some really big companies and you've uh, you've coached a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners. What would you say are some of the most common factors that lots of these companies and business owners don't succeed? What is it? Can you repeat the last? I didn't what, hear the like last. That they don't succeed. What is the most common factors that they don't succeed? What are the most common factors that they don't succeed? The, the most common, the number one, especially for women, um, because I work, I would say 90% with women, uh, is that they don't believe in themselves. Um, that is really um, either they don't believe in themselves or they just don't believe it's going to happen for them. So um, that is the number one um, that I always see. It comes up consistently time and time again there and and they don't have the power to stay on and do something consistently because at some point they're like, yay, this is working. Oh, no, it's not. Yay, this is working. Oh, no, it's not. You know, and when they're in the low, they have a really hard time climbing back out of there and um, and doing something again, showing up and to keep going, even though, you know, you might have failed or there's a lot of fear involved with that. But it's really 90% of the time with women, it's that they don't believe in themselves, which is really a sad, a sad thing, but it happens all the time, all the time. And even if people do new projects, and I mean, you know, I still have it as well, sometimes that I'm like, well, what if, and uh, can I believe in this? And now this happened, and maybe it's not meant to be. And I don't know what happens to all of us. It's natural. It's just, you keep going against all odds or not right now for for those people who are sitting there going great I, I really need need help um i don't have horses to go to <laughs> <laughs> how do i build up that self-confidence how do i build up that belief in myself uh what would you suggest are some of the things that people could implement into their lives right away that they yeah. can do now yeah well, first of all, it helps to have horses. Um, not gonna lie to you. <laughs> um, I feel sorry for those who live in like downtowns. So I was like, but I live in an apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, the first thing is it's a choice. So it's a choice and it's a choice. You have to decide. You really have to decide. I want to do this. Like I'm dedicated and I want to do this. And the second, so that's the first thing. It's like, do you really want this? Do you really, do you really, 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 really want this? That's the first thing. And once you decide, you say, I want this no matter what, and I'm in no matter what, that's the first, that's the first step. The second step is to remove the equation of time because we are, um, we associate a lot of things with time. Like I need to make a million dollars this year. 
I need to, you know, have a house this year. I need to have my new car this year. But if we remove the factor of time, if we say, I'm going to be a millionaire someday, then it becomes like, yeah, I think I can actually do that. It takes the pressure out of the equation. And then we can keep going and we're like, I'm going to be a millionaire one day, maybe tomorrow, maybe in a couple of months, maybe next year, maybe in two years, maybe in three years, but I believe in it. And then something magical happens, which we call collapsing time. So that means that the time collapses, that it's no longer, there's no longer relevant time frame. So then we can speed up the process because we're no longer attached to time. So that means the universe or whatever you believe in is able to deliver much faster. And then all of a sudden you start having the results and the things keep coming in and you're like, oh my God, where did this all of a sudden come from? Like, how, why is this happening? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the second thing. And the third thing is to, to follow joy, to follow joy, to follow excitement. That for me has been the most, one of the biggest aha moments where I was like, aha. So if I really do the things and follow the path of joy and excitement, and I do the things that light me up, then guess what? People will come that lights them up as well. So you attract clients and you attract people that are like, oh my God, I love what you're doing because you love what you're doing. So those are three really good starting points, I think, um, in order to overcome that. Do you have any recommendations for those who, once you, like you mentioned about uh, taking out that timeline out, right? So that it's someday it's going to come and all kinds of stuff. How do you keep those items still relevant in their minds though? Because what may happen is that, yeah, it's going to happen someday. It's going to happen in the future. And all of a sudden it gets forgotten. Yeah. So yeah. how do you keep it relevant? I call it tickling the energy. So <laughs> um, it's something like, um, so me every single day in the morning, I have a ritual. So when I make my coffee, so I got my coffee, I make my coffee. So whilst I'm making the coffee, I'm already stepping into the feeling of gratitude. So I'm grateful for all the things that I have. And, and then I step into the feeling of desire. So desire is the things we want to have, right? Like I want to be a millionaire. I want to have my horse house that we just talked about before. We're just looking for a horse house. So I'm manifesting my horse house. And I just, I just stand there for like, five or 10 minutes doesn't have to be super long because people think, oh, I need to journal for hours every day or I need to do this or I need to do that. It's like, no, it's 10 minutes that I just stand at that window. I look outside into the garden. I watch, I watch the sun or whatever. And I tap into that energy and I just think about it. Wow. You know, I, I, I get into the feeling and I like with the horse house, for example, I imagine, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Like Imagine I could just open these doors and I walk outside and then I have my horses right there. It's going to feel amazing. And then I can just pet them and do things with them. And then I can go back inside and do my online stuff. And then in the afternoon, somebody's going to come and do a horse coaching session. And then this is going to be, so I really tap into that energy and, and I make myself feel what I want to feel until my subconscious at some point, you know, that little voice kicks in and is like, yeah, but it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen in that time or it's not going to do this. And then it's like, okay, tickled enough the energy. 
Now we turn it off, right? So before the subconscious or something negative can come in and say, yeah, but it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen that fast or it's not going to happen in this way or, you know, you know, those little voices, right? Um, I switch it off and I'm like, oh my God, that was such a great feeling. I feel like I'm so excited about this and I can't wait for it to happen. And then I turn it off again. I sit down and I work. Now, you talked about those little voices. Now, unfortunately, those little voices don't always just happen inside your head. They happen mm -hmm. outside of your head too. Um, so during that period of time when you were in corporate and thinking about jumping into your own business, doing coaching and all that kind of stuff, um, were you surrounded with 100% support from everybody? Or were there other people go, hey, no, this is risky. Stay in your corporate. You got a good thing going here. Why are you jumping out of here? It's, it's all this other stuff. How did you go around that? And then also, um, how did you take that energy and make it work for you? Yeah. So first of all, I had, I think, I had a lot of people that were not supportive. <laughs> um, I had a lot of, and, and funnily enough, I think people say this all the time. The people that are closest to you are the ones that care for you most, you know? So they're the ones that are most um, concerned for your security. So my family, um, when I said, I'm going to, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I'm going to start my own business. They were like, no, you're crazy. Don't do that. You have your secure job and you, you know, you're, 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 you're so high in your career and you're climbing up the ladder and you're one of the high potentials. Why would you do that? And, and you're putting everything, you know, you're risking everything basically. And the thing was that I never really cared so much about what other people thought. Um, and I even like, and especially when it came to my family, like, as I said, my family was always against the horses and yet I started my breeding business with the wow. horses and I bought horses. And even though everybody was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to buy horses and I'm going to start this and let's see where this goes. And the first couple of years, it didn't make any money, which was very frustrating. Um, and then finally, you know, it started hitting off and now we're on, on uh, six figures and it's quite a nice side business. So really not paying attention to those voices and really listening to your inner intuition and your inner gut feeling, I think is one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. um, and also my, my calling was so strong. Like I felt it in every fiber of my body. Every day I went to corporate, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, like, I can't stand it one more day. If I have to go there one more day. <laughs> and even though I loved it, like, it's not that there was no like pushing me out or anything. I love corporate. I love my job. I love my career. I love my colleagues. Like everything was, there wasn't a situation where I was like, okay, now I need to leave. But there was like this full of like oh my god I can't wait to be my own boss and then you know if I just want to wake up and have my coffee and work out of bed I can do that <laughs> you know so there were there was such a strong pull from the entrepreneurial world say hey come here we're ready for you come jump on let's go mm -hmm. that I couldn't you know it didn't matter what the outside or the inside voices said at some point I was just like I don't care. I'm just going to jump now. How many sessions did you have your with your horses during that time? <laughs> uh, question. I don't I'm I'm not sure. I had a coach, though, that took me through that time. I have to say I had a coach that took me through that. 
and, and, a, and a wonderful community as well of people that were either already entrepreneurs or on the same journey and the same path. So that was beautiful because then, yeah, you, you all were kind of like, okay, who's going to quit first, you or me or that person? <laughs> so that was when, when it, going back to the horses for a bit here, you got your first horse. Was that something that you all, this is what I want to be with for the rest of my life. Like I want to work with horses for the rest of my life. Or was there something else? Like, uh, did you get into sports? Did you get into the, uh, the riding aspects, the competition aspects of it? Or was it always kind of like hobby thing first before it became this, I can translate into uh, a business. It took, so it took a long time for me to realize how to monetize it. Um, because there is the obvious breeding aspect of you breed, you have a baby, you sell. Um, but even there, it's very, you know, it's very volatile. It's very risky. It's very cost intensive. I mean, you need to invest a lot of money before you have money coming out of it. And, um, and I mean, a horse is not something like, um, like an old timer, for example, which, you know, uh, like, you put it in a garage and increases value over time and <laughs> it can just sit in the garage. And apart from paying the garage, you don't have any cost, but a horse eats food every month. So there's quite a lot of um, maintenance costs involved in that. Land. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. So that was something that for me, and I had so many limiting beliefs around that of like, how do you make, how do you make money with that? How can I monetize this? How can I, and people kept telling me you need to do something with the horses. And I was like, yeah, but what like tell me what <laughs> give me the business model tell me how to make money with this because really I'm not seeing it and um so it was a lot around breaking out of those limiting beliefs and understanding you know it was a process like I tried a little bit of this this worked this didn't work so well so I cut out this and I continued that path but I was so um and then coming back to, it was really the joy factor that was like the moment I started like being excited and having joy with the work I was doing, that's when it really started hitting off. And that's when really people started coming more and more. And, and I didn't even really promote it online. It was just word of mouth and people were coming and I had all my workshops sold out within not minutes, but within days. It was wow. really fascinating without posting anything on social media and people writing me, when's the next workshop? Are you still going to do one in Austria? When is it here? Da, 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 da. Are you coming to the US? And people approaching me even you know, internationally and being like, hey, can you come here and do something here with us? So just through word of mouth. And that's where this, this journey comes into. It takes time. And that's where I see a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they feel like, oh, this is the thing I'm going to do. And I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. And I feel like, no, that's not true. You should always follow the path of whatever's like fun and joy for you. And that's where the people are. And then you just go along and you do the next thing and you do something else. And then you develop a little bit in this direction. And basically following that path is just the best way of doing it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. How, how long did it take you to find an accountant who goes, okay, so your employees are, who's this? I was like, that's my <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, next please. <laughs> Actually, um, the, in the accounting, it's not so, 
it's not so easy because for me, it's like I have the breeding, but the breeding is a hobby and not a business. So then other horses part of this or part of that. So it's, it is quite complex, actually, the whole accounting <laughs> thing. <laughs> that, that's incredible because you just said that the breeding aspect is, is, an ho- is a hobby, yet yeah. it's in six figures. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody out there is like, I wish I had a hobby that just brings in six figures. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I still see it as a hobby. Um, I treat it, I have to say, I treat it like a business, but it feels like a hobby. So I have my own Instagram channel, I have my own website, I have my own, you know, all the things, I have my own branding material, all of that. So I treat it, I I invest in it. So I treat it like a business, but it's still a hobby that is fun and if it makes money great but if it I don't ever want to depend on that business to make money um, that's why I, t- I still title it as a hobby because the moment that you are depending on making money off that breeding part then you need to make choices that are not gonna make you Uh, successful in the long run because then you need to cut out your bottom line and you may have to sell a horse that may be worth I don't know I'm just going to say any number 50,000 for example and because you need money at the moment you need to sell it quickly and then you don't find the right buyer and then you end up having to sell it for 20 or 15 right so that's where um, that's why the decision was I treat it like a business but it is a hobby for me Now, uh, you mentioned how you surround yourself with your coaches, your mentors, and other people who are supportive. What would you say is one of the most vital um, advices that you've gotten that allowed you be- to become who you are today? One of that's a really good question. That is a really good question. I think really there are a couple. The first one is surrounding yourself with the people that give you energy. I think that's one of the most important ones um, because you, it is really true what people say is you are the average of the people that are in your immediate environment. And it doesn't matter whether you say it's five or 10 or 50, (laughs) but you are the average of, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, right? Like you're the average of the people that you you spend the most time with. Um, So that's one of the most important things. And also really being rigorous about cutting people out of your life that take energy from you. I think that's also a really important one. Um, But for the, for the mentorship, for me, really the most important message was what I said before. Um, What I see 90% of of people going wrong is when they don't believe in themselves and they don't think it's going to happen for them. I had to fight a lot of limiting beliefs when it came to this. I really thought for a long time it's not going to happen for me and especially not with horses. Um, so that was the most important thing is people kept telling me, go for it, Nadia, do, do it, go for it. It's going to happen. It's going to work. This is magic you're creating. And so those are really the people that were, those were the, that was the best advice. The simplest one. (laughs) Well, sometimes the simplest thing is the most important, right? And people just kind of glaze over it. Um, During this period of time of the the shutdowns, COVID, all that kind of stuff, how has that affected this business? Because you rely on the horses. Sometimes there's that interaction between the horses, the clients and all that kind of stuff. Has has this whole thing stopped that a little bit or um, how did you pivot around it? Yeah. 
So um, for me, it didn't really have such a big impact because in the winter period, I anyway have a break because it's too cold to work with the horses because then people are not because of the horses, the horses don't care, but the people <laughs> are so focused on it's cold <laughs> that they're not able to process anything in their brain. So that's why between um, usually mid-November until beginning March, I do a break anyway. And then I focus more on the online activities and, and doing like online classes. Like I do uh, sales trainings, for example, online. Um, and uh, this year I've been working on, for example, to create an academy where I teach other people how to do, because I created my own methodology with the horses. So how to teach other people who want to work with this. Um, but and because the lockdown really has been mainly during exactly that same time period, it hasn't affected me so much. Um, and also because we were working outside, um, it didn't have such a big impact. The only thing was that I was able to travel less and do less workshops abroad. So that was a bit annoying, let's say, like I used to travel around Europe and do workshops in Switzerland and here and there and there and then there. And then obviously people started asking from the US and from the Middle East and things. So um, so it had an impact in that way, but yeah, not directly. Like I just worked around it. I was like, okay, that doesn't work. Let's do more in Austria. That doesn't work. Let's do more here. So I pivot very easily. <laughs> it's like, no problem. We just, da, 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 da. we do it differently. <laughs> awesome. Um, how do you, how do you harness your energy aside from getting energy from the horses? <laughs> where else do you where else do you get that energy that gives you that oomph in the morning so the most important thing is i think there is a very um wrong belief when it comes to energy that we get energy from outside um the thing is we have a pot of energy and if you've got leaks in your energy pot then it just leaks and it's harder it's harder to put energy back inside versus just keeping your energy and making the energy bigger but once it's like empty or kind of empty, it's very hard, you know, to, to fill that back up, especially once you reach below a certain level. Like if you just went a little bit low, then it's okay. Like I've been sick now for two weeks, you know, okay, energy goes down a bit and then you fill it back up. That's fine. But if you go below a certain level, it really, that's where disaster happens. For me, one of the biggest game changer was really this gratitude exercise of every day in the morning. I practice so much gratitude and I integrate it into so many aspects of my life. Like having gratitude gives you so much energy because you're grateful for the things you have. At the same time, you know what your desires are. You keep tickling the energy, like I said before, and that creates more energy. So that's one of the things that I, I really am very careful about that. I'm very careful about who I spend time with. Um, I am a hermit by nature. So I love spending time on my own and I, and I dedicate time in my calendar in order to really be on my own and to be on my own with the horses as well. Um, so that I go riding out or I really, and I cherish that time so much. And no matter what happens, I always have that in my calendar. I call it goddess day. So it's one day <laughs> in the week that is all for me. And I do whatever I want. And I do things that give me energy and that take care, you know, if it's, it doesn't have to mean it's anything expensive, but just something that brings me joy Buy myself flowers. I get a massage, like whatever it is. And for me, that has, that has been one of the holiest rituals is to keep that day open, no matter what. 
cool. So um, that's something that, yeah, those are the different kind of ways that I keep the energy. So people, people need to schedule me days. Yes. <laughs> me days, goddess days, God, God, how do you say that? Hero days, I guess. Men. <laughs> um, let's say you go back on the world stage and you had a few minutes to tell the world one message and that message you want everybody to remember Nadia by. What's that one message? That's a good one. That's a very good one. I think the one message is how much we can learn in terms of leadership from horses, how much untapped potential there is in, in learning from horses. Mm -hmm. I think that's the big one. Like how to become an alpha, an, an alpha leader without being an alpha, you know. <laughs> I think that's that's what I would say. Um, I actually one of the one of the things on my bucket list is to go on a TEDx stage with a horse. Mm -hmm. And um, and to have a, a talk on alpha leadership and alpha communication on stage. Cool. That be, that's on my bucket list. Yeah. Your your horse is gonna have to travel with you, first class. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I know you got a lot going on. I got five quick questions for you. Give me the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're stranded on a desert island. And yes. you get to eat one food for the rest of your life, no consequence. What's mango. That one? Pardon? <laughs> mango. <laughs> that's actually, that's healthy. That's still healthy. <clears throat> um, who would be somebody, it could be celebrities, uh, famous people, whatever it is, that you would like to bring on a horse riding trip on? Um, Michelle Obama. Awesome. Michelle Obama shows up to your door and go, hey, I hear about this great thing that you do. I would love to get to know your horses, but I'm a little peckish right now. What do you serve her as your special dish? What do I serve her as my special dish? Oof, not a good cook, I have to say. <laughs> um, we have a specialty in Austria called Schinkenfleckerl. It's a kind of like macaroni and cheese, but with ham as well, mm -hmm. um, made in the oven um, with a special kind of, um, of pasta. And it's very good. I think I would serve her that. What is a hidden talent that not many people know about? A hidden talent. Skiing. Uh, I used to be a professional skier. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to throw in another question here too. Um, if you're stuck in a car ride yeah, and that car ride has only one song that plays over and over and over again, what's one song you don't mind listening to? Um, Happy by, oh my God, what's his name? Pharrell Williams? Pharrell Williams, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my last question is what is success like? But before that, give me a number between one to four. Four. One, two, three, four. So how is success like yeah. a lion? A lion. <laughs> how is success like a lion? Like you yeah. want me to roar? <laughs> <laughs> Just give me your, your first thoughts. First thoughts. So success is like a lion because lions are calm. Lions are extremely powerful. Lions have a very clear leadership um 
way. Like they're also very confident, very present, very relaxed. They wait for, they don't go after, this is a common misperception actually. So they don't go after prey. They wait for prey to come to them and then they attack as pack. So um, the same is with clients. You don't go after clients. You wait for clients to come and then you invite them into your energy and then you close them that way versus DMing people and inboxing people and all of these things. I was waiting to see how you, you ended that sentence. And then you embrace them. Exactly. You embrace them. You just invite them to come into your world versus uh, going like, I've got you. <laughs> Very well done. That's how success is like a lion. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you to learn more about what you do, to, to get to know more about those workshops that you hold, uh, what's the best way? Um, so Instagram, Facebook, Nadia Bash, um, and also NadiaBash.com. So I have quite some information on my website and some cool videos um, to look at how it works with the horse coaching and have a retreat, uh, retreats coming up and all of these things. And I'm, I'm looking to come to the U S this year, actually. So hopefully that will work out. <laughs> and yeah. Great. Uh, any last things that you want to mention? Any last things I want to mention? Yeah. I only want to really say to the women out there, like it is so important that you believe in yourself and that you go for it no matter what, and that you keep going, keep trying and trust in the compound effect and that, you know, things will just happen for you as long as you believe and you're able to hold on to that vision and keep tickling the energy, keep believing in it, believing in it, be grateful for it. You have, have a desire for what you want and magic, magical things will happen for you. Awesome. Actually, before I let you go, I do what one other question just came up to me when yeah. it comes to your horses. Do they go through uh, coach training or any horses will do? Any horses will do. I prefer to work with um, Arabian horses because they are the most sensitive and because they are drama queens, as I call them. So they show very obviously the signs. Um, so that's why I prefer working with them. But any horse will do. Any horse can read your energy. It's just that different horses of different kind react different in different ways. That's good to know. Well, once again, thank you very much for your time. Uh, your, 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 your expertise in horses was absolutely amazing. I, I learned a lot. So thank you very much for your time, uh, your stories, and your expertise. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much, Fong. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, she is Nadia. My name is Fong Chuan. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll all see you later.